Support for this podcast is provided by Smart Recruiters, the hiring success company. Smart Recruiters is a full talent acquisition suite with candidate relationship management and an applicant tracking system. All in one modern platform with an extensive marketplace of more than 300 vendors and a user experience that candidates, hiring managers and recruiters alike love. Companies from IKEA to Bosch to BlaBlaCar leverage smart recruiters to attract, select and hire the talent they need to grow and expand their business. Visit smart recruiters at www.smartrecruiters.com to find out why companies across the globe consider them to be the number one ATS replacement. There's been more of scientific discovery more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 109 of the Recruiting Future podcast. I'm delighted to have Catherine Minshew as my guest this week. Catherine is not only founder and CEO of careers platform The Muse, she's also a best-selling author. Her book, The New Rules of Work, was published earlier in the year and provides some brilliantly practical advice about career management in our ever-changing world of work. As well as providing some excellent content, The Muse also works with a number of employers on employer branding, candidate experience and recruitment marketing. And these are just some of the themes that we cover in our interview. Hi, Catherine, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Fantastic to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Absolutely. Uh, My name is Catherine Minshew, and I'm the founder and CEO of TheMuse.com, which is a career platform that helps over 50 million people navigate their careers every year. Uh, career advice, we help with job search, moving up within a company, getting a promotion, anything and everything that people need to navigate their career. And then on the flip side, we work with about 700 of the most recognizable, best companies in the world from, you know, the the sort of Facebook, Slack, Dropbox, Technology Set, to finance, uh, Goldman Sachs, Capital One, uh, consumer goods, hospitality, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we help them really articulate their employer brand and their talent brand, um, create and and capture materials and stories and assets around that, uh, distribute those through all of their recruitment channels, and then measure the impact on talent acquisition, candidate experience, and eventually in the future, employee engagement. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, your, your sort of views around talent attraction and, and employer branding. But before, before we do, you recently um, published a book called The New Rules of Work. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Um, I'm interested to know what the, what the, news, what the new rules of work are. Absolutely. So my business partner and I came out with the book in April. We made the Wall Street Journal national bestseller list, which was very exciting. And the idea behind the new rules of work was to write a definitive playbook to the modern workplace. Uh, This concept that the, the rules of the game are changing and both candidates and companies need to understand what the new rules are and how to up their game. So on the candidate side, we talked through things like how do you discover your career values 
and find a path that's right for you, not uh, right for your friend, not what someone else or your parents think you should do. How do you really navigate the job search and land a job you're excited about and then succeed at the career you've always wanted? So the new rules of workplace communication, including group chat like Slack and HipChat, including, um, you know, the sort of video interviews and also some of the more casual um rules around relationships and, and navigating, um, you know, office politics. We also then have spent a lot of time talking to employers about what are the new rules for hiring and recruiting? You know, how, why is it that slapping a job post on the internet and hoping the best talent in the world is going to waltz right up to your door isn't working anymore? So how instead do you craft a compelling employer story? Do you get that out there through the right mediums, make sure the right message is reaching the right person, and really use the full spectrum of recruitment marketing, talent branding, employee advocacy to really engage and develop relationships with candidates throughout their journey so that you have access to the right people at the right time for your business. I think that's really interesting because, um, you know, I've, I've read the book and I think it's it's great in terms of, um, uh, you know, how it kind of really, I suppose, defines what what works like these days and, um, and, and how it's changed and what people need to think about when they're, uh, you know, they're looking to build a career and they're, and they're, and they're looking for a job. Um, from, from the employer perspective, you mentioned, um, you mentioned sort of quite a few things there that, that employers might be thinking of to, to get the best talent to their organization. What, what, which do you think are the most effective and, and most most important? What what are employers doing that really works for them in this kind of the the the, the new sort of world of work that we're that we're currently in? Absolutely. The, the first thing I would highlight is employee storytelling and employee advocacy. So what I mean by that is um, it's well proven that most individuals today, particularly millennials do not trust brands, they trust other people. In fact, uh, a recent survey of, uh, you know, which, I believe the exact question was, uh, which uh, sources do you go to to learn about a particular company and how do you measure the trustworthiness? Rated a variety of things, the CEO, senior executives, career page, uh, social media channels, other employees, et cetera. And again and again, uh, employees come out on top. People want to hear the real stories of real employees at your organization, and that's how they're going to decide whether it's a good fit for them. And so I think this is this is um, creating some really exciting opportunities for companies who are able to take advantage of it. So for example, um, we actually at The Muse made an acquisition earlier this year. We acquired this incredible company, uh, formerly called Brand Amper. We renamed it Brand Builder. But the idea is how do you go into a population of 200, 2,000, 20,000 employees and source the best stories, the best content, find the evangelist for your organization, and then understand what is it that they might say. And so we're able to actually pull out all of these, um, all of these individual stories of you know, why somebody uh, does what they do, what values about your organization really resonate with them. And then you get this fascinating amount of, it's sort of the art and the science, right? The data and the anecdotes that tell you, you know, this is how your organization is interacting with your culture. This is what the employee experience looks like at a high level. And then these are some of the very specific stories. And anyway, when you get that sort of information, regardless of whether you source it through employee focus groups, um, if you're a smaller company, you may be able to send out a simple survey. But once you have a sense of 
what employees really value in your company, in your organization, in your employer brand, you can use those stories and that language to do a number of things. You can improve your job descriptions. You can better arm your recruiters. You can revamp the language um, and the examples that you give on your career pages. And then you can fill your social channels again, with photo, video, and text, real stories from real people at your team. So I could go on, but that's that's probably enough talking for, for that question. I think that's interesting because, uh, you know, what, what we're really talking about there is, um, you know, employer brand that sort of reflects the, um, the, the genuine um, employer experience. So, I mean, would you sort of see employer experience as a um, the employee experience as a, a sort of key differentiator um, and if it is what do companies need to be aware of in terms of um, how they might sort of optimize the, the employee experience in the first place and then sort of communicate communicate what that is yeah absolutely so first um, this this is critically important for employers to understand uh, three out of four millennials care about culture fit 94% of millennials care about meaningful work. And actually, I think the most fascinating stat, um, 44% of millennials turned down a job offer because they didn't feel that the organization's values aligned with their own. So this concept of uh, values-driven or culture-driven uh, employment market is, is upon us. And when you look at how that plays out, I think it means that, as you said, employee experience is a huge differentiator. That's not about the perks. I think it could be very easy to say, well, we don't have the money for free snacks, so how are we going to compete with you know, the, the Googles of the world? But when, when we look at data from the muse.com, from our community, it's not the fancy, snazzy perks that are attracting individuals to your company. It tends to be things much more core to the employee experience. So we often uh, use a, an acronym called the three Ps, people, purpose, and path. Um, but just very quickly, the idea being that who are your people? Who will be, you know, if, if someone's going to come join your organization, um, who are going to be their colleagues? What sort of people will they learn from, work with, see in the lunchroom every day? That's a very powerful motivator. The people um, and obviously the relationships that come from that purpose. Second, what's the ultimate goal of your organization? How does their role fit within that? What's the purpose of it all? This can be very lofty. It can be very tactical and very concrete, but tying what they're doing and what your organization does to some sort of larger purpose. And then three, path opportunities for growth and development. So what sort of skills might someone acquire by coming at your, uh, joining your company? What sort of experiences might they have? There's a tremendous amount that I believe almost any employer can do um, to figure out for your current employee base, what is it that, that keeps them waking up in the morning and coming into work? What is it that they might tell their friends about your organization? And how do you tell those stories on a broader scale? Because this trend uh, is, is here to stay. And I think companies that invest in creating you know, a solid employee experience and then understanding how to talk about it in the marketplace are going to consistently be more successful attracting great talent. Definitely. I think that makes a, that makes a huge amount of sense. And I think what's interesting as well is that um, a lot of the, the, the coverage that we see around employee experience, um, you know, certainly in the last sort of five years or so, has, has tended to focus on um, employers that are giving amazing perks, whether it's kind of unlimited holiday or, you know, whatever that might 
be um, and and obviously that isn't uh you know that's just a, a a kind of a side issue to the to the to the to the the things that are really important um you know not to want to put you too much on the spot here but which companies do you think do this really well in terms of communicating uh you know a really sort of compelling um employee experience yeah so um a couple examples that come to mind uh, Pandora has a great hashtag, Life at Pandora. I believe it's through their Instagram account um, that just uh, allows for some very real candid photos of the employee experience to be shared through social. Uh, we also at The Muse wrote a great white paper on um, employee advocacy, um, and particularly we highlighted some of the work that GE is doing around social media and the extensive training that they're offering for a number of their employee advocates, which they call brand ambassadors, um, in order to help them understand you know, how to optimize their LinkedIn, how to be out there on social um, and active, engaging in a way that's going to support some of the company's goals. Um, and they've done a really nice job so far of, um, you know, of, of, of both implementing this training and, and these sort of best practices internally, but then also talking about them so other companies can learn. Um, I think, uh, you know, another great example, I, I will say Instagram, I think um, as much as it's a platform that is a little bit smaller and that some companies aren't active on yet, it can be such a powerful tool. Another example of a great hashtag gap um, has hashtag we are gap Inc. There are over 7,000 Instagram posts with that hashtag. And again, um, you know, when you look at social media use among young people, um, Instagram is, is tremendously popular with um, the, the millennial generation and, and with many of um, those in Gen Z as well. Um, you know, you can also uh, do a lot of really interesting things with a company blog. So I think um, one of the examples we call out in the white paper as well is Pinterest. They have um, Pinterest underscore engineering on Medium, and they write a blog with you know a combination of photos, articles, details about what is it like to be an engineer at Pinterest. Um, and there's only a few examples. Uh, there's uh, you know HP, Cisco, a number of other companies, sort of big and small, are doing this well. But that should give people a, a bit of a taste for what it can look like. I think the interesting thing about that is the the different kind of formats and ways that. Uh, companies are, are, are sort of choosing to tell their stories there now i know that um, the the muse puts out kind of a huge amount of content it puts out some great content and i suppose what's interesting to me is what what formats do we think are most effective you obviously kind of mentioned instagram and, and pictures and, and and that kind of stuff but um some companies tend to sort of rely on text some companies um you know will will use photos but do the photos actually convey everything they're going to try and get across you know what are your sort of views on 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 formats for for storytelling yeah, so firstly, I think the format has to fit the medium and the message, which means that no single format is going to be the silver bullet for everything you're trying to communicate. That's why I think it is important to experiment with a variety of different formats. Um, here at The Muse, we are huge fans of video. Um, I don't have the stats at my fingertips, but there's there's just been some fascinating research that people spend you know something like three times as long on a page with video as a page without. They're more likely to come back. They're more likely to develop brand affinity. Video is very powerful because you know that, that, there's that old expression: a picture is worth a thousand words. If that's true, you know how much.
much more context can you get from a video? And I don't think this necessarily has to be high concept, you know, highly produced. Sometimes something that's very simple, just one of your employees talking about an element of your culture or a, a tradition or a value that's core to the company can be really powerful. Um, but we we do produce a lot of video at the Muse. We encourage our, client, our clients and our, our partners to use video in all of their channels because it is just so sticky and so engaging. And it really gives people, you know, that sort of... Um, that sort of deeper glimpse. That said, I think text and photos have their place. And again, it depends on the platform. You know, Twitter is great for um, sharing articles that might reflect some of your values. You know, a quick photo and a quote from an employee. It doesn't have to be long form content. In fact, sometimes keeping it short and sweet is more effective within a specific medium. Um, whereas obviously we know Facebook's algorithms really prioritize video. Um, and I think video on career sites can be very helpful as well because people are going for a deeper look and video is one of the most effective ways to do that. But it really depends on what are your goals for that specific platform, what message are you trying to communicate, and what are your audience's expectations based on where they're finding you, social media, your own platform, etc. So final question, um, where are we going next? What, what does the future, of, the future look like for work and um, uh, you know, the, the future look like for um, companies connecting with, you know, with, with great talent? How, how, how do you think um, the world's going to kind of look like in sort of 18 months, two years time? If I had to summarize it in three words, I'd use uh, relationships over transactions. I think that the best companies are going to continue investing in developing relationships with great talent over time. And they'll be moving away from this very transactional model of you know, filling jobs, getting butts in seats, sorting through a whole bunch of resumes. This is having wide-ranging implications on the entire talent space because firstly, within talent attraction, it changes how you need to attract candidates. Again, it's not enough to just post a job. You need to include information about why your organization, why someone talented with a lot of options is going to be drawn to you. That can be employee stories, your company values, what you stand for, the people, purpose, and path, etc. But it's a much more storytelling-rich, content-focused uh, view into talent attraction. Then there's the future of candidate experience. You know, we work with a lot of companies at The Muse that, um, you know, many of these Fortune 1000 companies, it's not unusual for them to need to turn down over a million applicants a year because of the volume of applies that they get. And that's just a fact of the game. But what, um, what is changing is you know, how, what, are, what is the impression that those people have if they don't get a job at your company? And this is, to be honest, this is, um, this is equally true for very small companies that might have um, applicants in smaller numbers. Every single person that applies has taken time out of their day to say, I, I might want to work for you. And I think we're starting to see um, that there's, you know, it's something like, um, 40% of people that have a negative employer's experience would sever their relationship with that company. So whether you're B2C or B2B, regardless of who your customer is, unless you want a large number of people walking around um, and, and, and feeling like they don't want anything to do with your brand, it pays to start thinking about how do you invest in candidate experience. And interestingly, you know, the Muse started as a platform that purely offered tools and software for talent acquisition and for recruiting. That was at the core of our business. We've actually built out a candidate experience product because we're hearing about it so consistently from both sides of our marketplace, from companies that are saying, 
you know, this is an area where I need help. This is an area where I really want to stand out over my competitors. And individuals are saying candidate experience matters to me, whether I get the job or not. Um, and again, you know, these talented people, they're going through a number of companies' candidate experiences at the same time. And of course, don't you want yours to stand out so that when it comes time to make the offer, they're more likely to accept. Well, and I'll, and I'll, I'll, I won't even go into right now how this theme impacts employee experience in detail, but I think what you know across the talent life cycle, we're seeing this theme of relationships over transactions really leading the way in terms of how the most innovative companies are engaging with their talent, how they're uh, speaking with candidates, and how they're treating their employees. Um, and I think that um, while it's it's certainly um, a brave new world out there. I also really believe that for all of us working in HR, this gives us um, some really exciting opportunities to be part of the future of uh, what, you know, how is talent attracted to companies? How do we kind of engage, develop, retain them, um, and build a relationship with great people over time? Catherine, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. My thanks to Catherine Minchu. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, on Stitcher, or download the show app on your smartphone. Just search for Recruiting Future in your app store. You can listen to all the past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.